grace and peace to you this morning. It's so good to be here. We want to, to welcome you to our services this morning, um, especially if you're a visitor. We're so glad that you're here. We've got some, some wonderful things happening today. Of course, after service, we'll have a, a potluck meal. And again, if you're a visitor, we encourage you to, to stay for that. There's always plenty of food. And then after that, uh, we have a congregational forum where you, where you will hear from some of the the deacons and the elders about the work that's going on here uh, in the past year and what we have to look forward to in 2020. If you read the bulletin um, this week or, or read the email, then you know that uh, recently celebrated 10 years here in LaGrange. And I know I don't say this enough, but it's truly a, a blessing to be a part of this congregation. And it's just so marvelous together with you every single morning and to be able to see God working through this congregation. So uh, Laura and I feel greatly blessed uh, to be a part of the work here. We're in this series where um, Living Word, where we're looking at uh, different, um, going through the story of Scripture, and we're looking at God's Word and looking at different themes through God's Word. And this morning, we're going to look at a special theme. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, you might be in Genesis. We're going to look at a passage in Genesis 12 and then Genesis 15. But if, you've been, if you have the book, you've been reading it, you'll notice that every week the book opens with a question. And this week's question is this. How can I become a part of what God is doing in the world? I think that's an important question. And even though we've only looked at a few chapters in Genesis, we, we've witnessed that, that God is working in our world. We've seen that God is creating, that, that God is not only creating, but He's caring for His creation, and, and that God has a plan for the future. Last week, we looked at how, how sin is the root of all of our problems. Sin is why we have death, it is why we have disease, it is why we have violence, hatred, and everything else that is wrong with the world. Sin separates us from God. It disrupts the relationship between us and God. So how do we mend this broken relationship? How can we change our status so we are able to once again partner with God and what He is doing in our world? Well, the answer that we're going to look at this morning is covenant. And if you haven't grown up in church, then, you, then that might seem like a strange word to you. And even if you did grow up in church, you might not know exactly what this word means and what it entails, because covenant is not one of those words that we use on a daily basis. And so what is a covenant? Well, it is a, an agreement between two people or between a person or persons and God. And so we use things like covenants all the time. We have contracts, we have agreements, a marriage is a covenant. But, but one of the problems in our times is that our contracts and our agreements have become filled with legal language. And so we're asked to sign things that we never read. And even if we read it, we probably wouldn't understand everything in it. And this happens all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Each time we create a, a new account online, 
We're asked to click a box and agree to the terms that we just scrolled through and never read. And we've, we've even invented shortcuts that, that skip the contract for us and just lead us directly to where we need to sign, you know. And so we hope that we know what we're signing, but really we have no idea. And all of this is somewhat comical, but it does inform how we view contracts and agreements. You know, we're a little skeptical. After all, companies and businesses have teams of high-paid lawyers that write all this stuff out, and we have nothing. In some ways, they have even become meaningless because we don't know what we're signing. We're only doing it because we have to. We want that new car. We want that new phone. Well, biblical covenants are, are not like this at all. They're not some lengthy contract filled with legal language or some agreement that we've never read. They're more like a marriage. And so Genesis 1 through 11, those chapters, they answer some very important questions. They tell us you know, who we are, where we are, what's gone wrong. And so those first 11 chapters are the account of creation, humanity, and the fall. But beginning in Genesis chapter 12, we see something different. We find this story of Abraham. And the rest of the book of Genesis is going to focus on Abraham and his family. And so Abraham becomes a father of a nation. He is the father of Israel. He also becomes an example of faithfulness, someone who trusts God and follows God, even though you know, all the details aren't exactly clear. He just, he just goes where God leads him. Now, some people in the Bible are mentioned once, and, and they're never mentioned again. But Abraham is not like this. His name keeps coming up over and over again throughout Scripture. And so he's, a, he's an important uh, figure that, that we want to pay attention to. And his story begins with a covenant. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, his name will later be changed to Abraham, but now he's called Abram. Go from our country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so first God calls Abraham to, to leave his homeland. He calls him to leave his family, to leave his friends, and to go off and to journey into a foreign land. And God is going to, to work through Abraham, but in order for this to happen... Abraham has to trust God. And so the covenant requires Abraham to, to do certain things. And in return, God is going to bless Abraham. He's going to bless his descendants. This is what we call a conditional covenant. And what it means is that something is required of Abraham before he receives the blessings 
that are promised. God thinks so much of humanity that he makes covenants with us. He wants to help us. He wants to bless us. We are the benefits of covenants, whether we know it or not. Before Abraham, God made a covenant with Noah. And so he put this bow in the sky pointing towards heaven. And he promised that he would never destroy the earth by flood again. And this covenant was not a conditional covenant. It was an unconditional covenant. And what that means is that humanity did not have to do anything at all to receive the blessings from it. That God was going to do this no matter what humanity does. And so God has established covenants in order to to bless us in some way. And so a covenant is an agreement that includes some kind of blessing. But a covenant is much more than this as well. And we get a sense of it when God makes this covenant with Noah and he points this this bow towards the sky. I know that, you know, we don't really grasp the full meaning of that, but, but what's going on there is that's a war bow. You know, it's, it's like bow and arrows, and he's pointing it up towards heaven. And God is saying that if he violates the covenant, then God himself will be held accountable. We get a better sense of this in Genesis chapter 15. So I want, I want to read a section from this chapter, and um, I want you to follow along with me. And what you hear in this chapter may seem strange, but hopefully it's going to all make sense once we're done. So Genesis 15, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11 and verses 17 and 18. And this is again the covenant with Abraham. And God says to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess But he said, that is Abraham, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God said to Abraham, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Now again, what is described here is foreign to the world that we live in. We've likely never witnessed an animal sacrifice. Some of us have never even seen an animal butchered before. And so what we read here is strange. And so what does this text have to do with us? I believe it has a lot to do with us because it teaches us about covenants. And probably more than that, it teaches us about the nature of God. 
And so what happens here is that God instructs Abraham to take these animals, different kinds of animals, and to cut them in half. And once it gets dark, a flame passes between these animal pieces. And this flame represents God, just as it does later on when Israel is led by a pillar of fire at night. And so what is the significance of God passing between these animals that have been cut in half? Well, he is saying to Abraham, if I do not keep this promise, then do to me as you have done to these animals. And so God puts his life on the line just as he did with that other covenant with Noah. Now this makes a covenant much more than a, a contract filled with legal language or an agreement that we never read. This is serious. You know, if we had to walk between dead animals the next time that we signed a, a phone contract or bought a car, we would probably pay attention to those details a little more carefully. You know, if a marriage ceremony involves sacrificing an animal and vowing to keep the promise or suffering the same fate as the animal, then we might see a drastic decrease in the divorce rate in our country. And what we learn is that God is someone who keeps his promises. So much so that he's willing to put his life on the line to prove that he keeps his promises. And what is fascinating about these covenants is that God wants a relationship with us. And he stoops down to our level. And he interacts with humanity. And he makes agreements with humanity. And he creates us and he works to sustain us and he wants to help us do life well and he wants to bless us. And not only that, he, he enters into a covenant with us. And he's so serious about it that, that he puts his life as collateral if he doesn't follow through. Now we're only a few chapters into the Bible now. You know, we began in Genesis 1 or you know, looked at Genesis 12, Genesis 15 this morning. But we're already learning much about the character of God. And the way that we partner with God and what He is doing is through covenant. And so sin creates distance between us and God. And it is through covenant that, that God begins this process of reconciliation. And so he tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that he's going to bless the nations through his family. And so already the, the, the nations had greatly distanced themselves from God. Okay? And part of Abraham and his descendants' mission was to be a light to the nations and to call them back to God because they'd gotten so far away from God. And throughout the Bible, God makes covenants with his people. 
He makes one with Noah. He makes one with, with Abraham. He makes one with Moses. And many years after the covenant with, with Moses that, that gave Israel the law, God begins to speak of a new covenant, a better covenant that will bless people as they've never been blessed before. And we read about it in places like Ezekiel and Jeremiah. I want you to look at one of those passages this morning. This is Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, where the prophet says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Again, these covenants are like marriages. God's saying, I was married to Israel. I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. There's another word we don't use too much, but that means sin. That means our wrongdoing, our faults, all that stuff. And he says, I will remember their sin no more. And, and although these older covenants were, were good, and they served their purpose, they did not do everything that, that God wanted to do. And they came up short in some way. But the prophets of God continue to speak of something new that is on the horizon. And they were looking forward to a new day. And they were anticipating the coming of a new leader, the coming of the Messiah. The covenant with Noah and Abraham showed that God was willing to, to lay down his life in order to keep his promises. He pointed his war bow up towards heaven. He walked between animal carcasses that had been cut in half. God loves us. God loves all humanity. And we witnessed the extent of His love when He enacted this new covenant. Because this time... God's life wasn't on the line just in a promise. God went to the cross. And he gave his life as part of the covenant. And he made the ultimate sacrifice so we could have a relationship with him. And we're told exactly what happened on the cross in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So the, the reconciliation that humanity has been seeking ever since Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden is made possible through the cross. And the new covenant that 
the prophets foretold, the prophets were looking forward to, it began at Calvary. And it was ratified by the blood of Christ. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that the covenant is more than just some strange word. It is God's desire to have a relationship with us. It is the means by which we can be reconciled to God. It is a wedding ceremony where we pledge ourselves to Christ. And we promise to be faithful, just like Abraham, in good times and bad times, in times of prosperity and times of need. The new covenant is gospel. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is our dying to self and being raised a new person through the act of baptism. So covenant is more than just a strange word. It is mercy. It is grace. It is hope. And without covenant, we would be left all alone. Because of the covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ, redemption is possible. Redemption from our past, redemption from our sins, redemption from the brokenness all around us. And I suspect that everyone here this morning could use a little redemption. So let us not think of covenant as just another church word. No, it's much more than that. It is God's word. It is a beautiful word that he gives to us because he loves us and he wants to make us whole. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful this morning for this opportunity to come to worship you, to honor you, to praise you. Father, we confess this morning that, that we are sinners, that we have not always done what we should, that we have transgressed your law. But we're so thankful for your word, which is a love story. A story about how you continue to pursue us. Even though we don't always do what we should do. And how you want a relationship with us. And how you make covenants with us in order to bless us and to help us and to guide us and many different ways. Father, we're thankful for this history. We're especially thankful for the new covenant. The covenant that was made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Father, uh, I pray that we would um, keep this covenant ever before us that we would be mindful of what you have done in order to bless us and that we would live in such a way that would honor you and bring glory to you. And Father, I pray that you would be with us as we strive to 
teach others about this covenant and the blessing and the mercy and the grace that you offer to all humanity, not just us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.